Genesis chapter 11. I'll kind of make myself at home here. There we go. All right. So um, we've been having a great time going through the book of Genesis. We're up to chapter 11 now. It's a really interesting um, passage that we're going to look at today. And um, I, uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm impressed by cities. Um, I, uh, I don't know if I'm really like a, a country person or a city person. Um, I'm not, you know, I've, I've lived in the mountains. Uh, I lived in the plains. Uh, now we live here at the beach. Um, but uh, I, I'm impressed by cities. Um, there's something about when you're, when you're driving in to a really cool city like New York or something like that, and you're, you're coming in, you can see the, the skyscrapers from a distance, and, um, and it's just, it's impressive. And then, um, you know, you get a little bit closer and they, you, you get a better view. And, um, and then you, you see the, the Hudson River and you hit the bridges um, and then the traffic stops. <laughs> um, and you kind of, then it's just not so cool to be in the big city. Um, but, um, you know, the, uh, the thing that's really interesting here that in, um, in Genesis is that this this point that we're going to read about here in the Tower of Babylon in uh, Genesis 11, verse 1 through 9, it, um, it's, what we've been reading so far is real events. The Garden of Eden, it existed. God created the world. You know, there was just Adam and Eve, and, you know, the, the, the world was populated through them. The flood was a real event at some point. All land was covered by the water. And all mankind was wiped out with the exception of, of um, Noah and his family. You know, those are very real events. And, uh, and then we come to the, the passage here in Genesis 11. And uh, it, the, um, the narrative goes from talking about, you know, a people in general to, you know, next week we're going to start talking about Abraham or Abram. And uh, it goes from uh, a group in general down to um, a, singular, a singular focus. Um, but it's a passage that, you know, I read as a, it was read to me in Sunday school, and it was a cool story. So let's, uh, let's, read, it for, let's read it together at this point. In uh, Genesis 11, verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, away from Eden... They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said, to each other, they said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. This was a really significant um, uh, technological advance, uh, an advancement in, in, um, in architecture and building um, to go from you know, having to chisel and fashion stone and make stone fit together to actually be able to, to bake bricks and, uh, and to use um, tar instead of mortar. And, and uh, so the, the type of, of buildings that could be, could be made at this point, it was like a, a significant little leap in, uh, in technology, so to speak. But then they said to each other, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. 
Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. Hmm. Kind of, kind of makes sense, you know. Yeah, you know, it's, we're kind of, we're kind of better together, aren't we? You know, and uh, we can, um, and not only that, but you know, as we're better together, you know, people will kind of think more highly of us. Hmm. They said to themselves. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people, speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from, from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel. Because the Lord confused their language of confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. You know, this is a, a really significant passage because it's in God's Word. You know, there's about ten generations from the time of Noah to Abraham. There's about ten generations. There is so much that could have that God could have chosen to be written over this time period. But there's just this one passage, this one, this one short nine verses that God wants us to, be, to remember. And um, the, the, um, the thing that really stands out to me from this is that God desires for us to scatter. You know, the... the, the the, the, the whole purpose of the scattering is so that he can gather us at the right time. Not when we want to gather, but when he wants to gather. You know, in, um, in my, uh, my shallowness and reading through this passage and not spending a lot of time on it, you know, I, I look at this passage and I'm like, wow, this is really cool history. Man, this is the point where there's the origin of languages. How cool is that? Man, there was just one language. Man, can you imagine what it would have been like back then? Just one language? Man, what, how cool is that? And then, and then they're, they're building this big tower. And man, God makes this really interesting statement. He says, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Man, I know, I've known that passage for a long time. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> we... We, we build so much of our efforts on unity. You know, who is, the, who is the team that won the Super Bowl? It's the team that stuck together and everybody played their specific positions the best. That's right. Amen. It was painful for some of us. Amen. <laughs> but what is the result of that oneness? Now everybody's talking about who the greatest is. No question, you got six Super Bowl or five Super Bowl rings. That's that's greatness. But who's getting glorified by that by that unity? You know, I've really been faked out by thinking, oh, it's all about man. If we just have the same purpose, if we just focus on on being one unit, going in the right direction, if we have the right if we have the right intent and the right intention, man, God will bless that. Great things can happen. What if I do that in my family? What if I do that with my friends? You know, we, we think about, oh, it's all about the oneness. 
But you know, there's something that's really interesting that happened here is God didn't come down and say, wow, your unity, that's really cool. Great job. You guys are really, you know, pitching in together and one person's designing, one person's baking the bricks and somebody else is putting them together and you're making this beautiful tower, you know, this beautiful um, um, temple, you know, uh, with a, a big tower. And wow, you, you've even put stairs. You know, when they designed these, this is called a ziggurat. When they, when they designed this, they would actually put stairs on the side of the tower so that God, their idea was that God would come down to them and would, would be with them in the temple. You know, you could, even, you could even kind of envision how the, uh, the, the, the Babylites, the people of this area, the, the, uh, the Cenarians, whatever we want to call them, <laughs> um, you could even envision how they, they would justify the building of this city and this tower. You know, man, we, you know, Adam, Adam and Eve blew it. You know, you know, the women would have blamed Adam and the men would have blamed Eve. And oh, you know, and then, then there's the, the flood. And man, people got so wicked and God had to start over again. Well, let's, let's get back to where we can commune with God. And we can have God come back down to us. You could totally see how they could justify that. But God comes down, doesn't give them a pat in the back. He says... Man, if this is what they're going to do when they're unified, when they say to themselves, they talk to themselves, this is a path of terrible destruction. I'm going to confuse their languages. This has got to stop. God says no. And um, I, as I've studied this and, and read about this and, and really thought about, about my life, you know, so much of the message of the Tower of Babel is all about God wants us to scatter. He wants us to scatter. What would this have meant, you know, to the, um, to the, to the Hebrews, um, to the Israelites as they're getting ready to go into the promised land? Now, I really appreciate AJ's um, sharing at communion, you know, going back to the, the, God was calling his people to go take, take possession of the, the, the uh, uh, Canaan, their, their inherited land. And, um, you know, this, this passage, this story would have been read to them. Moses was most likely the, uh, the author of the first several books of the Bible. And, and this would have been read to them. And it, it was a reminder to them that when they go in to to Canaan to not be faked out to not be discouraged by these these fortified cities and these these temples that they have to their god they would see those cities and they would be reminded of how god came down and said just you know i don't know if he snapped his fingers i don't know what god does but god just says you're speaking one language now how about 70 70 languages. Hebrew scholars believe that's how many languages began at this time point. You're talking to somebody and then all of a sudden it's gibberish. You know, I, I don't know if what was coming out of the person's mouth sounded like gibberish to them. I don't know. That hasn't happened to me. <laughs> but can you imagine that? You know, there's what, 100, 140 people here. 
roughly that? What if you just paired up and you were the only two people in this room that spoke that same language? That's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. You know, God wanted the Israelites to remember that He is their God and He will help them conquer anything. They can't be faked out by the, the size and the beauty of the city, of the tower. You know, where did they go wrong? Why, why did God say, what you're doing here, I'm not, I'm not going to bless this. In fact, I'm going to stop it. You know, just have to go back a few, ver- well, a few chapters to Genesis chapter 11, sorry, Genesis chapter 9. And in verse 1, God was very specific to Noah. When he came off the ark, he was very specific. He said, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. They were commanded to scatter. They were commanded to go fill the earth. Why? To fill the earth with the, with, with the knowledge of God. With, so that God could have a relationship with his people everywhere on the earth. God wants the earth filled with the knowledge of him. In, 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 verse, um, in our text here in, in Genesis 11, verse 2, where did they go wrong? They, as the people moved eastward, they found the plain of, of, of Shinar, and they settled there. They didn't keep moving. They didn't keep trying to fill the earth. You know, they even went so far as being very deliberate with this city and this tower. Not only did they disobey the command of God, but they decided to dig in their heels... And, and try to build um, a, um, a, a great city and temple that would bring them notoriety. You know, I, um, as I shared earlier, you know, it's, it's easy if we really think about it. It's, it's so easy for us to get off on the wrong path. And to start justifying what we're doing and, and think that, oh, what we're, the path we're going down, that's, that's a good thing. You know, the, the, um, the, the desire for settling, the desire for building. God clearly intervenes and he says, no, I want you to scatter. You know, how does this apply to us today? You know, the, the, the reality was that there was partial obedience it was partial obedience. They got as far as the, the, uh, the plains of, of uh, Shinar, and then they, they settled. But what about us today? You know, a lot of us are really grateful to, you know, be Christians. We're really grateful. We know what God has done in our lives. We, we've, been, we've been saved from a really messed up pattern of life. We've come to know Jesus. We... We might even wear our, our badges of discipleship really proudly. I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm committed to Jesus. But how serious are we about scattering as his people? How serious are we about filling the earth with his knowledge? You know, was that just a command meant for, you know, the time of Genesis to go and, and, and fill the earth? to scatter and fill the earth. Let's take a little, little tour of, uh, of Jesus' ministry. 
If you'll turn with me over to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 4. In verse 17, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Then in verse 19, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. The first followers, the first, the first crowd that, that Jesus preaches to says, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. The next people he comes to happens to be Simon and Peter. I'm sorry, Simon, who called his brother Andrew. And Jesus says, hey, come follow me. You know, this is Jesus' most basic definition of a follower, being one of his people. You know, we're very liberal in the way we categorize ourselves as Christians nowadays. But Jesus is really specific here. He's saying... I'm, I want you to follow me. It's not a casual association. It's not a box that we check because we're not one of these other faiths. It is a deliberate decision to follow me and to fish for people, to be sent out, to be scattered. What was Jesus' pattern in, in teaching this? If we, uh, if we go over to Matthew 10... Beginning of Matthew 10, he calls, he names out the 12, or the, uh, the 12 apostles, 12 disciples, and he gives them authority um, in verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Goes on to list them. And then in, um, in verse 16, or sorry, in... Um, yeah, this, this whole passage, but in verse 16, it says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Jesus is sending them out to go and heal and to preach and to proclaim his kingdom coming. We know in Luke uh, chapter 10 that after, sometime after he did this, the number of disciples multiplied to 72. And he sends the 72 out, two by two, again, to preach and to heal the sick. You know, in each of these situations, Jesus was really, really specific and gave specific instructions on what to take, what to say, where to go, to go in twos. You know, it didn't stop just there. His very last, some of his very last words, passage that many of us are are very familiar with in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. All authority... And heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. To Jesus, it was no small deal to fulfill his Father's command to go and fill the earth, to scatter the message of the kingdom. It's not just a invitation, but it's a call to helping others obey. Obey everything that Jesus has taught. 
you know, it's incredible. What do we see happen next? If we uh, go over to Acts chapter 2, just weeks later, Acts chapter 2, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest in each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5 in Acts chapter 2. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from where? From every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because God... Or because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking here Galileans? Historians believe that there were 70 languages that were spoken by these, these, these God-fearing Jews from all nations. 70 languages historically thought started in the day of in the, in the, in, in the, by the Babylites went from 1 to 70 and here all gathered together God's gathering back why? so that he can go ahead and scatter again you know it's God's desire that all nations know about him yeah. that all nations are filled with the knowledge of, of God, that, that all nations know that the kingdom is near. The kingdom is coming. All nations know about Jesus. And they're taught to obey. You know, even as the... You might say, okay, Paul, I get it. All right? Nice connection through all this. You know? All right. Yeah, that's what they did. But even as they, they grew in number, you know, the, the numbers of disciples in Jerusalem grew and grew and grew. They, they saw some incredible things. They saw incredible healings. They saw somebody who hadn't walked, you know, for decades walk. They saw people who were demon-possessed, who, who were absolutely out of their minds, be healed and be able to have fellowship with those around them. They saw things that boggle my mind they knew Jesus words they remembered them but they didn't continue to scatter the numbers of disciples grew and grew and grew in Jerusalem until Acts chapter 8 when a great persecution came, came across the church and the disciples scattered everywhere you know we have this desire to want to settle. We have this desire to, when things get going well, to want to build for ourselves. You know, this is something that, as I really looked at it and studied it and really meditated and prayed about scattering, Something that really 
really convicts me. Really convicts me because I, I've been, I've, I've chosen to wear that, that badge of being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. I've chose to wear that badge for a couple of decades now. And there's been times in my life where, man, God is doing incredible, incredible things. It's, it's not like, you know, I, my wife and I were on a prayer walk in a park one time. We shared our faith with a guy. Guy didn't look like me. Pretty incredible. He had a, a really humble response to, uh, the, to the scriptures. He went on to, to get baptized. And years later, not exactly sure how this could have been connected, but years later, his brother freaked out and killed his wife and his wife's family and part of his family. Mass murdered eight people. I don't know, I don't know what have happened if God hadn't intervened in Joe's life when he did. I have no clue. But we were just willing to scatter. You know, I've also looked at times in my life where I've really settled. I've really settled and I've started to build. And I don't know what it's like for you, but for me, this is what it looked like. Things started to go kind of good for me. Started to move a little bit forward in my career. Got a couple of raises. My job title changed. Wasn't content. Still a disciple. Still leading a Bible talk. Sharing my faith here and there. Faithful to my wife. Got an incredible wife. But I, I, was, I was settling. I was settling because my, I was focused more on building something for me than I was scattering about Jesus. And that, you know, that pattern continued. Slow, subtle. People around me, yeah, Paul's at church, you know. He's not coming in late. A few of us were late today. I know it's beautiful weather. <laughs> 10 o'clock. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't like, you know, no real obvious outward signs. But, you know, a little while later, what did I do? I'm not content here at work. They don't, they don't appreciate me. I, I, could make, I could make more money. And, and, you know, we really want to adopt. And, you know, if I make a little bit more money, we, you know, it would be easier to go from two kids to three kids. You know, so what do I do? I take another job. Oh, new job. Got to establish, establish yourself all over again. Working a little bit more. Chose to commute 45 minutes instead of a nice 15-minute drive to work that I had before. Oh, but it's a better opportunity, you know. Um, it's incredible how it started to settle more and more. You know, we, uh, we went and uh, we moved. Moved to a bigger house. Nicer neighborhood. I mean, the, there wasn't many people, there were disciples living in that area. So, you know, um, nice neighborhood, more, mar, more, mar, more of a mortgage, but, you know, but it's better schools for the kids. And, you know, this way all the, each of the kids will have their own room and we'll have a guest room so we can, we can, uh, we can host people. And, um, oh, but man, this, I need to, maybe, maybe I'm just not, 
I'm not content in this job either. You know, maybe, maybe I'll go in this other job, make a little more money, more and more comfort. I'm settling more and more. You know, the other thing that happened is I was scattering less. The few seeds that I planted, I planted. It's interesting, the people that I was sharing my faith with were people just like me, who I thought would be good friends, who I thought, man, boy, if, if, um, like James, James and Leanne, man, if they could become Christians, oh, man, they, God could use them in such an incredible way. Planting that seed, I'm fertilizing it, trying to be a best friend possible, and, you know, do social things and do things that they're interested in. I'm trying to make something grow for my benefit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want James and Leanne to become Christians. Don't get me wrong. But I'd, I was churching it up. I was taking something and I was trying to build something for myself rather than being faithful with scattering the message. You know, God intervened. God came down and he said, Paul, you know, what you're doing is not, it's not cool. I'm not giving you a pat on the back on this. It's interesting how God interrupts our life. God interrupts our life with challenges. God interrupts our life with, you know, health issues, with conflicts at work, with, you know, all kinds of different things God can interrupt. God interrupted my life with a new church leader, um, a trip to India, a micromanaging boss that was making my life miserable, and the Holy Spirit whispering to my wife that we need to, to leave our comfort and move our family down here. And stop building a city and stop building a tower that's making a name for myself. It was, that was one of the most difficult things I've done in my adult life was choosing to move from Charlottesville down here. It was brutal. It was brutal. Great friends, social network, all that kind of stuff. But I had to scatter. And I had sunk some roots down that weren't spiritual roots. They were worldly roots. You know... The spiritual reality is that we are either scattering the name of Jesus and teaching people to obey, or we are settling and building something for ourselves. I, um, you know, the, the temptation to... Uh, to build for yourself doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. I had a great conversation with a very close friend of mine. And I battle this today. That wasn't something that ended in 2009 when we moved down here. You know, I, I battled the desire for hearing my name. For getting the pat on the back. Getting the public recognition. You know, I battled that. Pride, man, it's deep. It's deep. 
You know, this, uh, this brother and I, we decided that whenever we feel this, we're going to text each other. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to let it go south. We're not going to let it settle. We want to scatter it. You know, a great way, a great way to test your heart in this is in Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 1. I'll just read it. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will, will reward you. Great practical. How are, you, how are you doing in your giving? How are you doing in scattering? With us, what we're doing is scattering. Now, I want to transition for a minute. You know, if you're with us here this morning, and this idea of scattering the name of Jesus and, and, and teaching people to obey everything that he's commanded is like I'm speaking in a foreign language. It's something that you're like, eh, I didn't, I didn't come for this today, Paul. I just, I just came to church today because Jen asked me to, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the seat that you're sitting in. You know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a little bit different. You know, maybe you've come out of, out of just a curiosity. Maybe you're struggling with disappointment that is heavy as if, you know, you're carrying the weight of the world. You have just, things have happened in your life and you are just shattered. There are things that have occurred that you couldn't even imagine in your wildest dreams. Maybe it's you're a parent and you didn't plan it. Maybe you're, maybe you're a broken relationship. Never thought in a million years you'd say the, word, the D word. Maybe you're just suffering a serious heartache. Or maybe you're facing a health challenge that is just absolutely overwhelming. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by financial debt. I have no idea. But what I do know is that God has come down to you. God has come down to you to interrupt your life, to interrupt whatever you're building, whatever you're breaking, whatever is broken. God's come down to interrupt. He wants your life to be obedient to his word. You are incredibly incredibly important. Every one of us is incredibly important. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man, he made all the nations 
that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. This scripture blows my mind because God sets it up. He sets up the exact things that should happen in our lives so that we will choose to find him. You know, this isn't, this isn't like one of those really bad blind dates that you, one of your friends may have tried. <laughs> oh, you know, you and he, I could totally see you guys together. And then you, you're like, oh my gosh, when is this over? No. This is the creator of the world. This is the God who had this plan since the beginning of Adam, did it again with Noah, and we're going to talk about it again next week with Abraham. Sorry, Jeff. Little, yeah. You know, God wants you to love him. He wants you to live for him. And he wants you to respond to his teachings. You know, I pray that you will reach out to him. He is near you. This might be the closest time in your life to reach out and find him. But I pray that you will. Brothers and sisters, we've got a message from Babel that's meant to stir our hearts. You know, we need to stop building those cities and resist the temptation to make a name for ourselves and scatter the good news of Jesus. You know, our world, our worlds are filled with friends who need us to be the disciples in Acts chapter 2 and speak a language to speak a pure language. Zephaniah 3.9, really cool prophetic scripture. Speak pure language from their lips to help them be connected with their creator. We need to be those faithful, obedient scatterers so God can gather us to build his city. We don't belong in South Beach. We're, we weren't made and we weren't meant to build our homes and establish ourselves here. Please don't make a name for yourselves. Let's get back out to scattering and being completely obedient. I want to close out with uh, Revelation chapter 21. We are meant to scatter so that God can gather us home. In Revelation 21 we read about our real next address. Not our current address, but our real next address. Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place 
is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is our future home. This is the city we belong in. Let's scatter so God can gather us home at the right time. Amen.